0: Of the Southland, August 14th, 2023. Let's start with a little bit of construction corner. We haven't had an update in a while from the wilds of tech architecture. Mr. Purdy, uh, a little birdie told me that there was a board of regents meeting recently. Care to give us an update from yeah. there?
1: yes I was actually unaware it was happening until it started once another little birdie uh tipped me off that it was happening which anyone could have found it it's online all this a network public. of birdies that we storm, had if you will. Our, our, uh, yes the, the little birds from Game of Thrones as you could as one could put it uh and uh, we knew about that uh from what Chad Bishop and Kenzie Gerr had reported that Grant field possibly was going to get renamed it, and they had specifically mentioned that Hyundai was in line to get those naming rights. Uh, for the Grant Field name, uh, which made sense because they're building a plant uh, in Georgia and they're trying to invest a whole lot of cash into the state of Georgia uh, just in general. Uh, and so like that made sense. And then took a look at the agenda line. And uh, sure enough, the final item was renaming a facility at Georgia Tech. And I was like, you don't say. So uh, did some journalism stuff. And sure enough, got, got to confirm that it was about that very thing. And so got the tweets out. I believe I was first on this, uh, at least in terms of like that that meeting was about changing Grant Field to Hyundai Field. Uh, and sure enough, in the meeting, they announced that that it, with full approval, there was no counter, no nothing. Uh, They did ask how much money, like they said, this would be $55 million for the sponsorship naming rights. Um, and then Pete Thamble later reported that it's going to be closer to 70 with the additional sponsorship going on. So the pure $55 million number is just for the Hyundai Field name. At Bobby Dot Stadium. So the full name of the stadium is now Bobby Dot Stadium at Hyundai Field. There will be some sort of memento thing in the stadium, uh, acknowledging that it was called Grant Field, so it's not gonna like they're not gonna like get rid of it. Also Tech is allowed to still refer to Grant Field and refer to the field as Grant Field um at their at their well, that's uh, good. Yes, they can't like just call it Grant Field and be dicks about it. Um, but they will have to still call it Hyundai Field, but they'll be able to use the Great Field name where, when appropriate. So it's not fully, it's not gone, gone, but yes, it is for all intents and purposes and for $55 million Hyundai Field.
0: Uh, Jake, I know you have a very strong opinion about this, uh, but before you go, I just want to hit a couple of the major points in terms of the financials. Like Jack mentioned, it's a $55 million deal over 20 years. That is actually a 10-year deal um, yes. that has two five-year renewal options. Um, I don't believe it says um, who actually holds the option in that case, um, but the overall value, if the deal goes to completion would be $55 million. That is approximately $2.75 million a year. Again, if the deal goes to completion, which is approximately what Brent Key's current salary is. Yeah. Um, if you take that full $70 million number, and divided over the 20-year period, that's three and a half, which yeah, that's effectively Brent Key salary. So you're looking at three and a half million dollars, give or take a couple of cents here and there. Um, that is now effectively spoken for an entire revenue coach's salary that is now spoken for, and that $3.5 million can go somewhere else on the budget. Um let's keep in mind,
1: of- let's keep in mind we didn't have to do anything for this. Like, we didn't have to, like, outside of renaming the field, nothing really changed fundamentally about Georgia Tech Gear to get this money. Like, this is not, I don't want to say it's pure bonus. We had to be willing to change the name, but like, this was not money we exactly had to, like, claw tooth and nail to get, which is kind of great.
2: I was going to say, I'm not going to belabor any points too much. We had, you know, a whole basically podcast episode about this because it was, you know, the the middle of the summer, but I'm sad, but I kind of get it, you know? I mean, it, like Jack said, it, it didn't really fundamentally change anything. It's more money coming in the door than it used to be. I have seen a couple comments out there that like, oh, $70 million, that'll instantly wipe out a big chunk of the debt, which really that's not how this works. They're not paying us $70 million all at once. Um, So I do want to be clear that it is drips and drabs. Well, not really drips. It's a couple million a year, but uh you know, It's a couple million that we didn't have before, so I don't know. I, I Honestly, I'm just kind of delighted to hear that we can still call it Grant Field, really. I I, uh, I think that's kind of a win in and of itself, but I mean, people still call the Flats the Flats, and it's been, I mean, that was only the unofficial name before we even called Grant Field in the first place, so go figure.
0: A uh, couple of notes just from the quotes that were provided to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Thank you again to Chad, uh, who is the beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Now, we had an interview with him a couple weeks ago that you should check out. Uh, But from Jay Batt, quote, The dollars and cents that go with this, this is transformative for our athletic department. The revenue that will be generated from this field naming and this broader partnership across a lot of our different facilities will allow us to provide needed resources for coaches, student athletes, operations, and it'll go straight to our bottom line and make a big difference for our athletic department at obviously a time and a place where we need those resources to continue to be competitive but also provide world-class experiences for our student athletes and quote so I, I one more note before actually two before we get out of here one I, which i think jake will find incredibly interesting uh the one note that i had about the actual grant family not the Jake Grant family, but the Grant family, who is the namesake for, well, I guess the former namesake of the field, um, they were spoken with, they were consulted as part of the change. Um, so oh. that should be actually, uh, like, that we should actually note that. Uh, there were um, a couple of very frustrating tweets by people that know virtually nothing about how Georgia Tech operates. Uh, dragging Georgia Tech's administration for making this deal. I'm not going to say any names or any schools. Actually, are you referring those, to uh... people
2: who do not go or associate with
0: uh, Georgia Tech? I'm not naming any names. Or people any... who would not know what they're talking about. I'm not saying any <laughs> names and I'm not saying I'm not mentioning any institutions. I'm just putting the word out there. Uh, The other note, and this is the thing that I think that Jake will find most interesting, is the final quote that I'll share from Jay Bat. Quote, the leadership from Hyundai, the leadership from Georgia Tech, particularly President Brera, as he continues to lead and be aligned with athletics in a huge way, (laughs) referring, end quote, referring uh, uh, referring to how, like both of you were saying, this was not necessarily a... Tech goes out and tries to find the highest bidder for their uh, stadium naming rights. They were approached supposedly or allegedly uh, by uh, by Hyundai for this partnership. Uh, it should also be noted, I guess this is the third note that I had, uh, Georgia Tech is the one, two, three, four, five, sixth ACC program to have a naming rights deal for its football venue. Uh, and... There are two SEC schools as well with naming rights. So, this is not necessarily unprecedented in the South. Uh, I Kroger think, Jake, Field. you. Kroger Field. Yeah, I, Jake, I think I'm with you. Um, just to wrap this one up, it, it stinks. It's definitely a big part of the institution's history. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, Georgia Tech needs the money. There's no way, there's no. Uh, more polite way to put that, they need the money. Um and if they can make back the cost that they're spending on um a head coach's salary or even let's say like a former coach's buyout annually. Huh. Right. Um <laughs> either of those amounts, like you are you're still like it's still a net positive on the balance sheet. So um I will make yeah. my peace with it. I think is the best way to put it.
2: That's I I think that's a good way to put it. Make the peace with it. Um, the bit about talking to the grants and the bit about still being able to like call it that. I mean, I'm not gonna say it. Ma- it makes it feel more like free money, if that makes sense. Um, uh,
0: I mean that's why the partnership works, right? Like no one, I they, they talked to the Grant family, which is one, but the the modern name of the stadium, to most. People, I well, yeah, yeah, like this mm-hmm. is a little disrespectful, but you get where I'm going with this is Bobby Dodd Stadium. Yeah. The fact that that's why this works and that's why it was an ex. like at the end of the day, it's possible that this is why that was an acceptable risk. Right. The, the blowback was worth it because the people that call it Grant Field are your older fans and your newer fans and most of the nation calls it Bobby Dodd Stadium. You can put whatever value judgment in that that you want. I'm not making one. I'm just saying that that is why the athletic department probably felt like this is something that they could do and be comfortable with. Yeah. Because it doesn't tarnish the brand of the, of the Institute to finish the point. It doesn't tarnish the brand that they've built up with the stadium.
2: And I, I don't think it's inherently different, like calling it Hyundai field relative to historic Grant Field, I, this is going to sound like such a semantical point, but like historic Grant Field is still an accurate thing to call Hyundai Field, if that makes sense.
0: It's also that's an fair accurate fair. thing to call the stadium itself.
2: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It, I'm, I'm, yeah, you can extrapolate my point from there, but His, yeah, I think historic, you get what I'm saying.
1: Historic Grant Field is a double
2: meaning now. Yes. It, it is historic Oof, Grant Field. Yeah, but um, um, But yeah, no, also, uh, for those who don't recall, I I always find it amusing to point out when we run into one of Atlanta's big-timey old families, yes, the Grant we're referring to here, uh, not myself, no relation, uh, is the Grant behind Grant Park. So, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, next time you run into them or some Inman's of the Highs or something like that, you know, all those people with the place names, they were real folks. I don't think there's any anyone called Midtown.
0: (laughs) but probably not what you didn't you'd never heard of john midtown i'm personally offended
2: (laughs) (laughs) i believe that's john dewberry but that's the topic for a different podcast
0: different podcast different podcast but we should talk a little bit more about his sport while at tech football Fall camp is now fully underway and there was a short scrimmage this past saturday mr purdy you have some news from there
2: I, I, oh, that what? was
0: me. That was me. Mr. Um. This is Mr. This Grant. Is a... You have some news from there. <laughs> N-
2: nominally a football podcast. Um, no, the uh there was a fall scrimmage this weekend. This uh this content is brought to you by Jake listening to the presser afterwards. Uh just some news and notes of things that stuck out. Um, it was hot. I can confirm that. I think. Jack, you were also outside. It was very, hot. very hot in Atlanta. Hot, I was hot. doing yard work, and uh, I don't want to say how fast. I uh, just became a you know, sweaty mess, but it was very fast. Um, so props to all the folks out there you know, running around and crashing into each other and stuff. Um, mostly first and second stringers playing, uh, but I believe it was about 40 snaps to the third stringers, they said. I can't remember uh, the exact number, but a good mix there. Um you know, just some news and notes that, you know, coaching uh, position on the field, not like the, the, the position groups, but like whether they'll be up in the stands or down on the sideline. I believe coach said that that was still getting ironed out, um, you know, a couple couple standouts, but it's false scrimmage. So I think the most important thing is, you know, getting out there. And I mean, it's only, gosh, I guess, four weeks away that they're going to be playing at 1 p.m. on a Saturday uh in midtown uh so the, the sooner they're ready for that i mean hopefully it'll be a little cooler um but it'll it'll still no be one. for all intents and purposes no probably Atlanta,
0: not so <laughs> yeah you've been but, in that uh, stadium in sep- in the mid-september it's a freaking sauna
1: it is it is I know it's not okay sauna is actually sauna. putting it nice yeah
0: no it's like a steamer basket sure sure like we'll a metal steamer basket okay
2: i i uh, i support that reference
0: moving on moving on uh let's i think it's time that we talk about the other false sports volleyball they start Woo. their season coming up in the next couple of weeks they have a scrimmage coming up this week versus auburn i believe and they just played their white and gold game this past weekend so Definitely gearing up for another hopefully successful season. Uh, Mr. Purdy, let's start with you. Tell me a little bit. Set the stage for me before we talk about their future, their present and future. How did they do last year?
1: They did, I think, about what we expected. They finished 21-8. and They made the NCAA tournament. They were just, just off hosting. They finished as a five seed uh, when they, the bracket was filled out instead of a top four seed that would have gotten them hosting rights. Uh, we went to Marquette. We played right state, uh, beat the crap out of them, and then played Marquette and got the be- crap beat out of us pretty badly in a match that both Julia and Michelle have described as one they never had a chance in, which was very interesting because they said that was the only match all year that they felt that way. And sadly, it had to be that one. Um, They played some insanely great games against Pitt, where they lost 3-2. They set the school record for home attendance with 3,400 and something people uh, when they played Pitt at home. Um, they got reverse swept, sadly, by Louisville at home. I sadly wasn't there for that game, but I heard that was a legendary match for the season. Uh, Julia Bergman uh, set a whole bunch of records. more set was amazing. She had a 20-kill game somewhere in there as well. Uh, and ultimately, they finished third in the ACC behind Pitt and Louisville, which was tracking for what we all thought they would do uh there's a couple not great losses in there but they were i think still all right they finished 12th in viper or ranked 12th in viper which is husker geeks uh fancy schmancy basically team aggregate stat uh and they were 16th in the final coaches poll so uh the mccamish game was a big deal because they had never played a game in mccamish they played a game in alexander memorial but not in mccamish so that was the first time they had done that uh and that was uh... against fsu was it okay interesting cool Mm -hmm. uh and this year mr
0: grant actually before you continue okay okay uh jake do you remember exactly why they were able to play this game in McCamish? i'm teeing you up for this because i'm hoping you remember
2: because the court got destroyed so they had an excuse to put poles uh pole holes in the floor (laughs) yeah
0: That, that's yeah. from the flood, wasn't it? Yes, the flood. yeah. It was some sort of. It was it a freeze or was it a, just a straight up flood? A straight.
1: Like a I, no, I remember seeing. I remember seeing the pictures. yeah something burst and they had to replace the basketball floor last year. Uh, so they were able to. Whoops. They were able to put the poles in. That's also why the paint was only blue and white last year because they couldn't get gold paint in time. So we're gonna have gold paint this year, thankfully, somewhere on the court. We don't know. Uh, but yeah, so that was uh, it. Yep. Yep.
0: Nobody's perfect, Uh, Mr. Grant, uh, I think we've talked a little bit about the strengths of this team, including Julia Bergman, who we'll talk a, more about in a little bit here. Um, and Breland Morissette and Aaron Moss, uh, who we should also mention mention as middle blockers, but I want you to ta- tell me a little bit about their weaknesses.
2: Uh, our team's weaknesses. I yes. mean, last year it was very much service, uh, Service reception, and I would argue to say even more broadly, defense. Uh, If you look how Tech kind of broke down um, uh, one stat that I think over the past year or two, uh, this podcast has really come to appreciate uh, is the uh, wins probability added that Husker Geek, uh, which is obviously a Nebraska account. They're great at volleyball. They've sold 80,000 tickets this year. So they think about volleyball a lot basically they found a way to calculate WPA, uh, for volleyball. And it it really must be stated that that tech almost certainly, um, across the board was much stronger, uh, on the offensive side of the ball than the defense. Obviously you have different players slot in different ways. Your defensive specialist, Paula Pimentel, you're going to expect her to be, to be more of a, more of a defender, but really, um, just was interesting to see how much, uh, the team skewed one way versus the other. So I I would broaden the service reception out to just general defense. I I think, um, where that kind of gets expanded, uh, is the, the, the talent of Julia Bergman minus the equally formidable Mariana Brambia, um, left for interesting ways that we were able to be defended. So I'm not saying that Julia in and of herself was a weakness, uh, but not having the, uh, Uh, the uh, flip side of the coin uh, on the other side of the court in kind of the same way as Mariana and and Julia paired up uh, previously, I think made for uh, made for some interesting offensive um, alignment in in which, or I guess defensive alignment against our offense, uh, which I mean, knock on wood, uh, we have somebody to rise up and fill Julia Bergman's shoes, but hopefully a more balanced offensive attack will kind of address that in, in the same way.
1: That was a notable thing. Yeah, there was, the teams that could guard us best were the ones that could like regularly get two or three people on Julia. That was, that was just the way to do it. Um, she still had games where she had 30 plus kills cause she was Julia Bergman also at the same time and could just destroy anybody. And if you wanted to be in the way of that spike on when it's on the ground, good luck with that. Uh, but if you can catch her at the net, much better things happen. And some teams were able to pull that off. Well, some weren't, um, I think I remember being kind of worried that Red state might be able to because they were like an exceptionally good digging team for whatever reason. But then they, I realized they played absolutely nobody until they played us. Um, so that was well, I, yeah.
2: I think the blocking is a big deal there too, as much as the digging. Just being, you know, yeah. If you have three, I think Notre Dame is historically pretty good at that. Maybe that was two years ago. I'm thinking because I don't think I saw Notre Dame play.
1: we, in we, we last absolutely year, killed which them last is super year. Super so. effective
2: on the net. Okay, yeah. so it was two years ago that I'm thinking of, but you know, just really effective. Uh, you know, like not even reception. It's just putting up hands and having the ball deflect in the way that you want it yeah. to go.
1: Yeah. And, and we, and people knew the ball was going to her as well. Like she got the whole, she got most of the overwhelming, not the overwhelming majority. There's a lot of people on the court. She got the highest share by far of attacks to get, because they just mm-hmm. knew that's how you, and that's how they would get out of games. They were struggling into like the Florida state at Florida state, reverse sweep case in point. She got 38 kills. Because she was the only one doing anything that day. Now, as a team, they've said to me multiple times. You can hear on previous pods that like they were just like, uh, uh-uh, uh we're not going to deal with this getting swept crap again. Like that's just not happening. And they buckled down and figured it out. Um, actually, Palat and talks about it later in this podcast. Um, but yeah, she was she was the one to just get the team out of bad situations. She was the cheat code. Um, and that's kind of insane. I mean, for the I mean, it's not like Otani on the Angels where you just hope he just solves all the problems but it was kind of like that. She was the one that could solve all the problems.
2: Well, uh, see, the problem with the Angels is that... Oh, uh, sorry.
0: I was going to say, the problem with the Angels is that they are inordinately cursed by some sort of they higher are. power.
1: They, they totally so,
0: are. So, uh, George attack less so, I would say. Much
2: Very less much less
1: so. so. Much less so. So, yeah, I think... I, uh, I want to... S- go ahead.
2: Go ahead, Jack. I'm cutting in twice. Sorry. My bad. Oh, you're,
1: you're fine. I mean... All that said, getting to the round of 32 where we got, I think in the end, didn't feel great. Because I think we do we, we all knew that they were good enough to beat almost anybody. I would say almost anybody. I don't think he ever would have beaten. They don't, I don't think they were ever going to beat the top three teams come tournament time. They already played Pitt and Louisville four times. It never happened. San Diego going to kill them. Texas would have killed them. So um, I feel like they exited one round shy of where they probably should have when it was all said and done. Okay, Jake.
2: Yes. So, and I've been workshopping this take since we started this segment. I think if they had made it through um, the regular season and then hosted, we would feel different about last season.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. One,
2: they would have gotten an easier draw in the second round, maybe a sweet 16 appearance. Um, This team was, I, I would say, you know, I've already made the, the no Mariana point, but like, it was kind of ridiculous to expect them to just reload and do the exact same thing. Um, And and I think they performed about as well as, uh, as we could have expected. I think that one round would have made a difference in terms of like meet expectation versus exceed expectation. I think my expectation was hosting. Uh, I don't want to move the goalposts on that. Um, A a host and slash or sweet 16 uh, appearance there. So um, like I said, it wasn't a bad year at all a, a 21 and 8 season is nothing to nothing to shake your head at um it's in line with some of the best regular seasons that tech has ever had so i don't want to put that out there also for posterity's sake i did look it up um october 6th 2002 against florida state uh was the alexander memorial game uh 3211 fans attended that uh that was kind of georgia tech at the top of its game if you will in the the shelton collier boyd shemansky basically 15 year um 15 year run uh at the time uh tech was ranked and i believe uh florida state was uh was ranked at the time as well oh three was the year in which they would go on to go to the i believe elite yes elite eight and oh three anyways sorry to derail
0: no, no, no let's let's get us back on track we talked a lot about Julia Bergman. Um, and I think we're going to do a little bit more about uh, with her in this next piece, talking about who the major pieces that have left this team are in this past offseason. Julia Bergman, obviously, we'll circle back in a bit. uh Breland Morissette, who we've discussed, Aaron Moss, another one of those key middle blockers. Um, Nicole Drunick, who played rotationally um, at the outside hitter spot, if I remember correctly, and Tally Marmon, who transferred in uh, from UCF last year and was also a rotational piece as well. Dr- Mr. Purdy.
1: Drunick was uh, Bella D- D'Amico's backup setter, actually, and so that helped with defense. So she would add, she was uh, basically, if they needed defense, she came in, added a little bit of height. Uh, Tally Marman was what we thought was going to play a bigger role outside hitter, ended up not really. She didn't make many rotations in tougher games uh Tamaro today was the transfer last year that kind of did that more than anything she had a pretty solid starting role by the end of the season uh, or by like the start of the season but uh
2: oh yeah and Otenay, i do want to say was relatively strong on defense in inter- turn and bertolino yeah. as well um, yeah just kind of stuck out because you would kind of expect your outside hitters to 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 shine there but uh Otene did definitely step into that role marmon played 14 sets uh so definitely was more limited than we we envisioned coming into the year
0: uh, just to put some of these at, these departures in perspective, excuse me, um, the combined win probability added lost was 43, about 43 and a half. So about 44% of the team total. Um, the combined sets played that the team lost from these departures, another 43%, 366 sets lost. And they lost three of their seven starters from last season. Um, and just to put that in perspective, in terms of just starting lineup, they lost 309 sets and 42.6 uh, win probability added uh, in our shot sheet. I have written generally, you really don't want this to happen. No, nope. It's not ideal, especially if you're losing effectively half of your offense. And to be clear, half of that half is coming just from Julia Bergman. Yep. Uh, it's pretty ridiculous. I'm. I'm not kidding. 25 of the team the team total win probability added ran through Bergman. So if you didn't think before that the entire team ran through her, you didn't believe us. I don't know what more to say because that yeah. was
1: that was the, the uh, feed Julia. That was the entire the goal, the drink, if you will. Yeah, that was the entire goal, and even and I will I, let's note COVID. Did affect some of these graduations also in like who was around longer than they maybe would have because both Breland and Aaron were fifth years last year. um So they had yeah. they, they got to take advantage of that. So theoretically, they could they could have been gone two years ago. uh And then Julia, this last year would have been Julia's legit final year, which it was her final year. She had the fifth available to her if she didn't uh, decide to take 21 credit hours last semester so she could go play international volleyball and club volleyball in Turkey. Uh, which all uh, which good for her like she deserves the world because of all because of what she did here so, uh yeah the uh that 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 affected some things there so that's in some in some cases it's like a, a blessing and a curse kind of in both ways there.
2: Well, and and one thing you got to think about with the fifth year in COVID, especially in the context of fall sports uh, and fall um, Olympic sports, is they got to play a normal fall twenty nineteen volleyball came back and played about a half season in the fall in 2020 and then another half season in the spring including uh, an NCAA tournament uh, appearance in that uh, 2020 2021 year. So I mean she played four normal years uh on not normal obviously covid very different but four seasons worth of volleyball at at, at Tech and sometimes when when you're done with that degree you like go on go on it's the same thing we say about other transfers so I'm not going to Yeah besmirch the folks for for not sticking around that said uh the fact that we did have Moss and uh and more sticking around with some uh I would say sometimes underappreciated contributions up the middle I, I think was a big part of what made the team click oh, in yeah. its final Easily. form and we yeah. definitely saw that snap together a little bit better uh down the stretch as well giant contributions from uh from the from the two of them
0: uh bef- I want to read out some of her accolades from her Wikipedia page, which it kind of disturbs me that she has a Wikipedia page, but that's beyond the point. Um, College accolades specifically, 2022 ABCA second team All-American, 2022 All-ACC first team, 2021 ABCA first team All-American, 2021 Volleyball Magazine first team All-American, 2020 ABCA All-American honorable mention, 2020 All-ACC first team, 2019 ACC freshman of the year, 2019 ABCA Regional Freshman of the Year, 2019 All-ACC First Team, 2019 All-ACC All-Freshman Team. Uh, And while she was in college, it should be noted, Brazilian National Team, two silver medals at uh, Volleyball Nations League. So, uh, yeah, It's, uh, it's a very heavy trophy case, if nothing else.
1: She killed it. There's no two ways about it. We're going to miss boo, it. Oh.
0: Bad pawn, bad pawn. What? I don't
1: even know what I said. Sorry. I, I'm not killed apologizing. It volleyball. Oh, hell yeah. That was on purpose. Yes, great. She killed it. Um, yeah, no, I, we had the time. We, I, I think I speak for the three of us. We had the time of our lives watching her play volleyball and see her go absolutely bananas on the court at times and hit balls so hard into the ground. I was worried they were going to put a hole in the ground, which I know that's not possible with the dimensions of the ball in the court and everything, but. It was it was nuts. It's sad to see that they're gone. But as we're gonna get into these new players that are here, I think I think we're gonna be all right. I think we're gonna be all right.
2: All right. That Mr. sounds Purdy. like a good entryway. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was gonna say before you interrupted me, uh, Mr. Purdy, walk us through these new acquisitions.
1: All righty. So uh, we're gonna have uh the list of these up on our written preview, which will go up in a couple days, if not tomorrow. Whenever I get to it, I'm having problems at my house to keep my air conditioning running, so that's what's stopping me right now. Uh, so up the top, at top we have Larissa Mendes. She's gonna be an outside hitter. Uh, she or right side. She's like six three or something like that. Six three, six four. At the Golden White game, she was an. I mean, there was we have multiple giants on this team, but she was a just a giant. She's a freshman. Uh, she I want to say she played at Flamengo. One of these girls, her or Eloise played at Flamengo uh, down in Brazil. Uh, but uh, she's got power. She's got a lot of power, and it's a lot more. It, it, like last year, she would have had the second most power behind Julia Bergman if she played for us last year. Like she has got it. She is tall because she is so tall. Her serves can be flat and still get across over the net really well. She's not having to. She's not having to go from under the ball at all. Um, and I assume will be a good blocking presence as well. Uh, once we see some real competition, cannot wait to see her. Uh, also, if anyone wants to just do anything, just stop talking or make me stop talking.
0: Before we move on, I want to add one note. Uh, do you know what year this is? I hope this isn't going to come off as weird. Do you know uh, what Larissa's birth year is?
1: Um,
2: This is already coming off as weird. So it is coming off Good as job. weird.
1: I'm just going to note. Uh,
0: okay. Let's put it this way. How old do you think current freshmen are? Oh. What year were current freshmen born in?
1: 2005. 2006.
0: 2005 2005 okay I will let Ooh. that sink in for our older listenership uh but I did pull up Larissa's record uh on a site called volleybox.net which I'm sure is does not sound super weird uh she was at Gerda Minas. Uh, that's right, Minas. Okay, May okay,
1: Minas. That's right. That's Georgia
0: right. Georgia Tech. Uh, before that, Minas Notico, uh Clube Campestre, Colegio Antares, uh, Antares U18s, and then BNB Clube. I don't know what any of they those get... are, but I f- I figured I would mention them. I assume they're all based in Brazil.
1: They are. Uh, I do know from the Potted in the Summer with Collier that Minas actually is coached by one of the legends of Brazilian volleyball, so uh, she's been in, she's been under some great tutelage. Uh let me shift down to Callie Angerman. She's been on the team already, but she had I think an ACL injury last year. It was something in her knee, so she was out on crutches all season. And the White and Gold game was the first time I had seen her play at all. She was in a brace, but she played just fine. Uh and she is going to be middle blocker and has that same height that both Aaron Moss and Bridget Morris had. I think she was supposed to be the third like rotation piece there if she wasn't hurt last year cuz she clearly had she had she has it in her to be great. Uh, and so I was really excited to see how she played and she was clearly like of rotation quality. So really excited to see her and see what she's gonna do. Uh Eloise Suarez uh is gonna is uh well what is she? Is she middle blocker too? Yeah, I oh, know she's a setter. Um also from Brazil. She she's the one that played at Flamengo. Uh so another Brazilian U19 International. Both Larissa Mendez and Eloise Suarez both are unite both played on Brazil's U19 team. Uh so they were at there, they're both I you mean know, effectively of the best of their age group in the entire country of Brazil, which that's insane to get for us to get. Uh, And so she was not my favorite coming out of the white and gold game. I don't know where she's going to be rotation wise. Uh, I want to see more from her, but she's going to fill in, et cetera. Uh, Zoe Winford also is going to be, she came in from Texas. She played at one of their big volleyball academies out in Texas. Uh, I think she went to high school in Dallas. Uh, and Zoe is going to be a defensive spe- specialist. Les libero. Uh, I don't think she's going to get really any playing time because both Liz Patterson and pala Pimentel are still here. So that'll be a uh book her. Or we'll, we'll just shelve her until time comes. Major, major signing we got was Liv Bodridge. She's from uh, Olivia Bodridge. She is from North Carolina. She was a fresh. She was all ACC freshman last year at North Carolina. Uh, and then we got her bonded on her free transfer, and she is. Absolutely, going to be our big, big time middle blocker this year. Uh, she's got a lot of height. She's she again really tall. Has the power up front. Uh, still moves well for how big she is. Uh, she's going to be great. Uh, easily is going to start. No, no, no problems whatsoever. Uh, DeAndre Pierce. She came in. She actually played in the practice games in the spring. Uh, she was transfer freshman transfer from Texas as well. Uh, she's in the. Well, she's middle blocker as well. Not sure where she's going to land. Totally. So we we'll more on that later. Uh, Smiley Manyang, uh, feto Manyang is her proper name, but she goes by Smiley. Uh, she's a fifth year grad for or fifth year transfer from TCU, so she's doing her graduate stuff here. Uh, she is a she has a hitter. No, she's a middle blocker as well. Uh, she played a lot at TCU. She was one of their best over there when she was over there. Uh, she had some injuries last year, but she is going to be fantastic. She was lightening it up at the White and Gold game. Really excited to see her. Uh, play and she's going to get some definite playing time. Also just add some, exp- like we lost both of our middle blockers. We needed experience there and we got two transfers to fill that role in. Um, and we have some freshmen below that might get some time down there as well. So sorry for the long rant. There's a lot of people, but uh, that's who we have. And honestly, between Mendez, Engelman, Modridge and Mannyang, we're going to be, we're going to be fine.
2: I I, I think that actually that's, that's an important, important thing to note. Sorry, Akshay. Um, is Really that question mark at the number two middle blocker. I think uh just looking at the stats and the experience, uh, experience against ACC teams, against teams that uh, were already playing. Mogridge really brings uh, a lot to be uh yep. excited about there. Uh she had about uh six and change WPA, maybe close to seven. I'm doing this off the top of my head. Um when I look, that's what it was uh what it was slotted in uh for context, Freeland and Aaron uh, both were at uh, nine point seven. Five, four, five, uh ish range so obviously not a like for like uh, it's hard to replace fifth years with lots of experience elite eight postseason all that good stuff but yeah uh, i think it's a pretty obvious uh number one slotting in there and then it's really just a question mark be it injuries and experience or both um ha- how the rest of that's going to play out but it's good to at least have one there and i think we've got a lot of depth at, at some other key uh positions that we brought in that uh that will kind of allow that to figure itself out. Hopefully. I mean, that's what the non-con is for. Is it not?
1: Yeah. That's, and that's both we'll hear what Collier and uh, Pimentel say after we're done here, but uh, that was their big note was like the depth. They, they really like the depth that we have. They were really impressed by it. Like Collier outright says like, yeah, I think I'm going to be able to use a bigger rotation than I did in the past. Like we're going to be able to try some things, uh, which is really promising. And based on who was playing at rotation level, Based on what from I, I mean, that's just my eyes. Who, who the heck knows that that was actually representative? Of what's really going to happen down the line? It looked like there was more people than we usually have. They're like, oh, okay. I've seen this level of talent play in real games for us, which was really cool to see. And like, half I mean, still, we only lost three of our three, four of our starters are still here from last year. We still have Bella Domico. We still have O today. We still have and Pimentel. Uh, we still have oh shoot, I'm just running, I'm losing names off my head now. We have four of them. We still have them. So we have more, we have more weapons filling in first than slots that we had that we originally would use. Uh, So the middle blocker is better. We're taller. We're arguably, arguably stronger, uh, honestly too. So it's going to, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. I don't know how if that's going to translate in the games, but they will not be a bad team.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I think that sort of leads right into our discussion about what the expectations for this team are. Um, because they're not going to be bad by any stretch of the imagination. There's talent. There is proven talent, right? That Some of these transfers, especially Modridge, are very, very good and become highly touted. Um, I was taking a look at some of her underlying numbers uh, when she was at North Carolina. And yeah, some of the stuff here with win probability checks out. I mean, she had two really mm-hmm. good games versus Louisville. Um, a really good game versus Notre Dame. Um, That's good to see. Duke. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. the there is some, you know, there there are things to build on here, not in like the football way when I say that there are things to build on. Like there is a actual solid, like pretty high foundation, mostly built house that just kind of needs the finishing touches on top and, and that gelling part. Yeah. Right, but, but I, I think we should kind of note uh, at the end of the day, like there is a level of how do you expect and how do you adjust to now a second year in a row of losing the program's best ever player, right? Like that, that is a factor at the
1: end of the day, mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, I asked, I asked Kalia that question. I'm not going to step on, try not to step on her as well for later, but that. They they got they gotta figure it out. I mean, I think based on what I saw from Larissa meant from Larissa Mendez and Smiley Man Yang uh and Bianca Bertolino as well, they they all collectively, I think, have the talent to be not all the way to Julia, but collectively can be Julia. That's for sure. Because they have the power, they have the movement, and they have the size. Um is it because so, they get on base? They they you know what? They get walks, man. They get on base. They get walks. They steal some back. Okay, damn I'm done with that bit. Um, <laughs> Thank and for uh, playing along. I, I, I couldn't do my best, Jonah Hill, too well. Uh, so I mean, no, I mean collectively, from what I the like, I test, they passed with flying colors. That's for darn sure. Um, also, volleyball in general, just getting better across the board. I, I'm not assuming that because just tech maybe is better than they are. We don't really know what the ceiling is here because we have a lot of young people and just people that haven't played together yet. Uh, but I think expectation-wise, where we are the fourth-ranked team right now in the ACC based on the preseason poll that came out there, um, I totally understand that by the fact that this is a rebuilding, this is a team with experience that is simultaneously rebuilding at the same time. Like we are definitely preparing for next year with this year's team. That is totally happening. Um, so my expectation is. Slash prediction. I don't know if we're doing really predictions here, but I think our expectations. No, is no, this. no, no.
0: We do expectations first. We we lay out we lay out the ground rules. We build a framework. We're getting there.
1: Framework is we're go. We should expect some very tough ACC games. Probably more than we used to. We got to do Pitt twice. We got to do Louisville twice again.
0: Schedule coming soon. Come on, come on, man. I mean, these, I are, the these are
2: we will read the schedule in a minute. Like we can't get ahead <laughs> of ourselves. These are the this
1: is the framework though. This is
0: the framework. It's who we play. I I'm, I I want to give I I. Because I want to give Jake a, a Jake chance go ahead. To respond I, I, too, I'm clearly because, failing at this. Because so Jake needs to talk. Well, I want to I want to come back to something that he was saying when we were recapping last season. Is that we looked at this team as hosting a? Well, It's not really a regional in volleyball, but hosting the NCAA, hosting NCAA right. tournament games. Does the absence of Julia Bergman um, and the addition of these additions? Um, make you a waver from that same prediction for 2023 is where I'm going, Mr. Grant.
2: No, I I don't think so. No, I'm going to be unequivocal, unequivocable in my in my statement that I think the expectation for this team should be to be a top. 4 ish acc team and to be in the mix for hosting obviously that's going to shake out different depending on the year but a top 25 caliber team in the mix to host should be the expectation for this team i know that we are losing one of the greatest players this program has ever seen Uh, i think we have had the uh had the benefit of having a lot of great players over the years um and I think that in order to have the kind of program that we think uh, Michelle Collier is capable of building and one that she has by all means shown that, you know, she has been able to build up to 2016, you know, build up to 2018, 19, 20, 21, 22, like sustaining that is is an important part of having that kind of program. Uh, I think our expectations should be pretty close to what they were. I will say I will characterize this with there are some question marks that need to get figured out. Um, it's not a slam dunk, but I, I, I don't know. I, my expectations are reasonably high. I don't think this team is as good uh, raw talent wise, or uh, in terms of the knowns. But then again, Jack, you were there on Sat or on Sunday, yeah. So you say you say
1: raw ta- you, <laughs> you know. say raw talent. Our raw talent is fantastic. It is fantastic. I do not. Yeah. I I think we're totally set there. I haven't. I I, have, okay. I need to I need to reiterate my Bianca Bertolino bit that I messaged y'all on on Slack. This girl got strong strong. Like last year she was effectively like what what the number 3 outside hitter for us behind Julia and Tamara then it was her. She was more playing like a defensive role and serving decently well and really good on digging. Really good on digging. Um this girl's got the Kayla Kyler Kayla Kaiser serve now for those that remember the the serve where you just throw it about 35 feet in the air with some top spin and then just smack the living crap out of it when it comes down. And she only practiced that during during warmups, I had never seen her. She did not do this once last season, like not even once. And she was she, she was hitting absolute missiles across the court. She didn't miss during warmups. She finally missed two in the game and did one drop serve just to test it out and stuff like that. There was a lot of gimmicks going on during the game just to kind of just feel 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 out some other tricks and stuff while no one was watching that from another team. Uh, but yeah, and her her just normal kill speed, so much better. It's so much better. Like of all the people that have leveled up on this team. She by far, like I, I cannot stress enough, is hitting the ball so so much harder now. I really want there. I really wish we had a radar gun there last year to measure Julia's speed because I, I kind of can I can't really tell that much in the eye test. I, they're not side by side anymore, so that's even makes it even harder. Uh, but we have a serve weapon now that we didn't have last like Kayla was gone. We didn't have that bring her into spot serve. We have that level talent in our regular rotation now. Also, Larissa is tall, and and uh, Live is tall, and they can serve pretty well too. So that, in terms I, I just of ex- don't want- that oh, raises ahead, my that that raises my floor expectations because that tells me this team was working hard during the off season to get better too. And not everyone that was already in the team is going to make the team is like going to play again this year. Like Anna Anna, Bo- Anna Boizzi, probably not, Cara Bianco probably not playing, Lauren Sandon, probably not playing, but they were all working. So
2: I I gotta say. I don't want to sound like I, I have an addition by subtraction mindset, uh, particularly when it comes to Bergman, because I honestly don't great player, but I mean, if they can figure out the outside hitting, like you said, they got the raw talent. I, I don't think we change our expectations of the team. I, I think, you know, Pitt and Louisville remain quite daunting uh, at, at the top of uh, at the top of the conference. I really yeah uh, I was trying to find the, uh, the ACC talk or acc volleyball talk twitter account because they had made some great resources last year but i couldn't find it um but because i was going to look for uh some stats that they had pulled together previously uh, i think they've left twitter Mm, rats uh yeah i was going to say i didn't even see the account let alone like recent posts but anyways all that said um i think louisville and and pitt are uh, as good as ever um Miami's got an easier schedule but they were good last year they they were a tournament team for a reason um so yeah I, I don't think it's anything to shake a stick at uh, in terms of the difficulty the ACC uh has gotten a lot better uh, I think it's a testament to you know the a 24 and eight really good uh Georgia Tech team uh was was out of the tournament in, in fall of 2016 uh and you know now losing you know four or five conference games in the ACC doesn't put you out of tournament contention. Uh, so no matter who it is, we're, we've got a top half of the conference. that's really pretty, really pretty excellent. And, and we we can say a little bit about the bottom needing to step it up a little bit, but it's a new year. You know, I, I haven't done my research on, on Syracuse or Boston college volleyball yet, but you know, uh, in terms of what I know about the top half, uh, you know, your, your Miami, Florida state, big three, um, you know, Duke, North Carolina, they're always in the mix, always in the mix. And they're always going to be like, that's just how they play. They've got good programs.
0: Now it's time for the ceremonial reading of the schedule. Something that we've all been looking forward to. We also have some rankings, uh, the 2023 final Viper rankings from Husker Geek as well. Attached to these, Mr. Purdy, Woo-hoo! start us off.
1: To start, we start the season in Tampa, where we also hope to end the season, as that is where the final four is being played <laughs> at the Tampa Isn't Invitation. It an it's an what? what? I don't know what
0: the, the arena. Oh. arena? The, the,
1: the, oh, Amway. Amway
0: Arena.
2: No,
1: oh, sorry. Amway's
2: Amway in Orlando?
0: Orlando. No,
1: that's Orlando. Amway's I, I, in Orlando. No, I honestly have no idea where they're playing these games. Um, We start with USF. Uh, which is Michelle Collier's uh, alma mater, I believe. She's like their best. She might be their best player ever. I I, I could be completely yeah, wrong here. I she's, would say so. She's up there. Um. So we start with them to a fifth in Viper last year, and then the next day we play Penn State, who is uh I think already like in the preseason top ten for volleyball. So uh, that's going to be an extremely early, fantastic test for us to see if I think measuring the raw talent more than anything than the where are we at at that time. Uh. So that's going to be big. And then the next weekend we uh, well, we should have put some dates on here. Sorry. Uh this
0: we should have, but uh let me let me take over real quick so I can lead us into the next couple months uh of the schedule. Uh in a very bizarre circumstance, volleyball will do an away away versus Ohio State. Don't know how that worked out, but they're playing Ohio State in Ohio State uh back to back nights. Um, I think on a Friday and a Saturday, and then yes. that leads right into a tournament at Florida A&M where they'll play South Alabama, Stetson, and uh, for the aforementioned Florida A&M. Uh, some notable rankings from there. Ohio State, obviously, number eight. They were a bugaboo uh, on the schedule last year for for Tech um, and played Tech in the Elite Eight the year before um, South Alabama, 73, and that's honestly the highest that it gets in that four-game stretch. Mr. Grant, talk to me about the GT Classic.
2: Honestly, I want to make one point about South Al first. Uh seventy-three is real good for a you know a Sun Belty non-P five team. Um so that that's that's good to see. Uh, but in terms of the GT classic, uh we do have uh, the folks from out east. Uh that is Friday, September fifteenth. I know that date off the top of my head. I'm not even looking at the schedule. Uh I'll be there. Um you all should be there. That's home opener. If you're gonna home opener. one game. I was gonna say the home yeah, opener Yeah, they do not play it. <laughs> Which is weird.
0: Until mid-September.
2: It, it's weird because in the past, tech has, you know, had you know, two or three uh invitationals. I I believe one year we had like the tech like Hyatt invitational, and then the Tech Hyatt Regency invitational the next week or you know, something like that. <laughs> but uh, but uh no, so the, the GT Classic uh opening with a Friday night uh at the basketball arena against the folks from out east. Uh I know that. You know, seems like all the other home games are sold out, but uh that one's not, but it very well could be. Um, knowing how large of a fan base both uh both teams have, uh, how easy it is for folks to make that trip. If you're gonna circle one, make it a Friday night, come down uh into, into the city. Football is away on Saturday, so it wouldn't even be uh back uh back to back weeks if you are a football season ticket holder. Uh Howard is in the middle on Saturday. It's kind of a uh a difficulty sandwich, if you will. Howard's about 210th in the country last year. Uh, And then San Diego final four participant top 10 in, in Viper as well. Um, Number three team in the country.
1: Number three team in the country
2: (laughs) per, per the coaches, the numbers have them a little lower, but they're, they're the best mid-major in, uh, in in the country. I mean, it's simply put they're, they're a great team to get into our building. And it's quite an interesting, um, quite an interesting, uh, perspective to see how all of our non-con scheduling has changed as the team has gotten better. Um, that the team that I alluded to, uh, kind of being the the comeback up, if you will, the, the fall 2018 uh, Georgia Tech team, they rattled off, uh, and, and I want to get the exact number right, so I'm going to vamp for for just a second. Um, but they've rattled off a program uh, record number of wins to start the season, or something close to it. Uh, but those opponents were Idaho State, Winthrop, Abilene Christian, Georgetown, Alabama State, Wofford, South Al, Tulane, Northern Illinois. Um, they lost one uh, to Bama, one to Marshall uh, on the road in Tuscaloosa, and then beat Georgia, Arkansas, um, again, to to close out the non-con. Um, this is a very different uh, schedule than than that one, to say the very least uh i do think it is worth noting that that uh san diego game is back in o'keefe uh so uh you know shame not to have two games at McCamish, but uh at, at least there's the one is that enough on the gt classic
0: auction yes uh i will add that obviously like putting the the rivalry game at McCamish, you kind of know where your bread is going to be buttered for that one um so oh. i don't necessarily fault uh fault the decision to move the other two games Money's back green. into o'keefe and i <laughs> Yeah, and I, I hope that uh, because this is usually like a kind of a round robin situation, um I assume that the other games that are not the rivalry game will be also played at O'Keefe. But yes, that's correct.
1: That that is correct. Um Michelle actually fantastic. I asked Michelle about this later and I will save the answer for the ad interview.
2: Oh, Fantastic. Well, I haven't listened to that yet. That does me no good, Jack. Come on. Absolutely. Now i got to well, listen. You
0: haven't listened to it yet because it's <laughs> tacked on to the end of this. Spoiler alert. Let's talk about the beginning of the ACC slate. They'll start on the road at Clemson. Clemson is 129th in the nation in Viper. and they'll go to NC State, a top 60 team. Then at uh, out to Blacksburg to face Virginia Tech, a 126th again um, for VT. They'll play Wake, top 100, and then October 6th at Pittsburgh. Number oh 10 in the final Viper rankings of last year. Um, they're scuffling a little bit through the offseason, if I remember correctly. They had a massive senior class leave, the leaves, they and did. they'll yeah. also be retooling. Um, my gut feeling um, is that Tech can probably be playing with their food, so to speak until about right here in the schedule uh but when I, you go up to Pittsburgh uh, I mean you the, probably
1: I, I gotta feel like the San Diego match is gonna be like if you're gonna yeah. circle like a this is the this is the definitely like the best chance of us losing all season I think it's honestly that game like it's at least in the, at least in this first half like it's that. I could totally understand this. Oh, I can find
0: way more places where they could possibly I mean, yeah, lose. I, I mean, was yeah, about I, to say. I mean, <laughs> like, Penn, okay, Penn State, Ohio
1: State, yes, like, absolutely. But, like, in terms of, like, I'll be shot, like, to be brutally honest, if we win, it'll be a massive, massive upset. We can believe beating Ohio State, even at Ohio State. We beat the neutral site before. Like, they know how to do that. Home, even though it's home, it's in O'Keefe. It is the absolute pressure cooker that that place is against. It's San Diego's stupid good. Like, they are absurdly good.
0: No. And I agree. Uh, I'm not disputing that. And I think Jake is totally right in saying, like, I, I mean, it's not an opinion that they were in the Final Four last year. And it's also not necessarily. No, it's uh, not.
2: That's a fact. <laughs>
0: it, it's a literal fact. And also, his opinion that they are the best mid-major volleyball team in the nation is also not untrue. So, like. Yep.
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah. They play I, in the WCC. I De- totally they, admit that. They play in the WCC.
0: But that being said, I think the where tech is going to have its tournament resume made for it is how it shapes up. I mean, it's going to do well against the, like the bottom 75 percentile of the, uh of the ACC, but yeah, where sure. it's bread gets buttered to use that metaphor again, is this, this game versus pit. And then that back stretch, um, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, and the, to me, this is sort of the, have you figured yourself out moment, right? Yeah. You've played, you've had a test in San Diego, you've had a test in Ohio state, you've had a test in, in Penn state, but now are you ready to actually get down to business and, and at the midpoint of the year and say, okay, we are going to be a competitive tournament host team, or we are going to simply make the tournament team or something else. Right. Like that, that's where like this team defines itself um in my opinion so
2: i i I do want to say i don't think you can lose the losable games with how much of the games on the schedule are painful even if we're looking at last year's top 10 you got two against ohio state two against louisville two against pittsburgh just off the bat and one against san diego that's seven extremely losable games right there you you got to imagine you got to pick up one or two of those um in a good world. I I don't, I think anything else would be kind of nuts. Penn state, you know, maybe that's more coin flippy, but really, if you want to be a host, you got to take care of business with the rest of the schedule. Maybe, maybe you slip up once. Um, I I know in the past, whether it's Miami, uh, or, or Notre Dame, um, maybe Notre Dame bounces back this year. They've, uh, they were untraditionally low, uh, last year, but you know, um, Usually there there's some sort of you know oh well you know Florida State's a tournament quality team Miami's a tournament quality team maybe something happens there but I I don't know if the expectation is to to be another house team I, I don't see eight wins doing the or eight losses <laughs> eight wins definitely would not do the trick um, nope. but uh, no. you know eight, eight we've seen that the line in the sand seven losses in the regular season keeps you out I know uh, a loss is not uh, one in the same depending on who's giving it uh, but just take care of business in in the others. And, and again, um, if you're sitting pretty going into Syracuse, uh, you know, the Syracuse home game at the end of the year, uh, I don't know if we've gotten that far on the schedule yet. We probably have not, Uh, it is worth noting. We play at Miami and home against Syracuse, um, in the second to last weekend of the year, that's pretty unusual. Uh, and will be a, a little bit of a tough turnaround to be in Miami's building before, uh, coming back home. But, um, and then, you know, we we want to be in a good spot heading into at Louisville to close the year because going into the LNN Federal Credit Union House of Pain uh, is not uh, not generally a re- recipe for recipe for success.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about that run in right after that uh, pit game and into Louisville real quick. You mentioned the Miami yeah. and Syracuse games towards the tail end, um, FSU, Miami, Duke, UNC. That's right after UVA and or Pitt, and then UVA, and then those four. And then at Boston mm-hmm. College at Syracuse, Louisville the first time, Notre Dame. Those are both in the same weekend and those are both at home. Hosting Pitt the weekend after that. And then you were aforementioned at Miami versus Syracuse and then at Louisville to end the year. That run in, that like first it's, Louisville game it's through insane. the last Louisville game <laughs> is miserable. It's like the same. B- based on travel, based on. Competition like that is miserable. That Miami team, I believe, is the third, uh, um, the third team ranked in the coaches' pool or the, the ACC third, coaches' yeah, rankings, yeah, whatever. The, yeah. Um, so and they placed above tech in the ACC rankings last year, I think, in the final rankings. So, um, that's something to keep an eye on as well. But it's it's rough like that back, that back half of the slate, especially if you talk about FSU and Miami and back to backs. Um, I mean, you can sort of wave a hand maybe at UNC Boston College and Syracuse um, but like Jake was saying you have to win the winnables um and yeah like yeah it's it's gonna be miserable like the back it, it's miserable like I, there's no better way to say I, it.
2: I, I gotta make one point uh I, I do disagree with you on a semantical point there uh the last six games are I, I would say aren't that bad for travel four of them are at home. Miami for all of us saying that oh away and are all me saying that away and home in the same weekend is tough. Well, Miami's only an hour flight and they're going to fly it. Louisville's only an hour flight and they're going to fly it. Um, So I, I don't think those are.
1: Yeah, they will be fine. Also that
2: in terms of the travel, yep, but yeah. I mean,
1: and that Louisville game is on a Wednesday is on a Wednesday. It's right before Thanksgiving. Like that's, that's yep. a, that's effectively just the holiday getaway game kind of in a sense there. So they'll, they'll be all right. Yep. Um, yeah. That stretch after the first pit game in October, when you go, all the middle of the pack ACC like quite honestly, we cannot lose any of those games like uh, F- yeah, sir. FSU and Miami will be tough. We had some struggle points there last year as well. Thankfully we have them at home this year and not on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh Although we have to, have to play Miami twice. That's a new factor this year. Um, But yeah, for those, the, F- the FSU, Miami Duke, UNC all at home in a row is a, I want us to win twelve straight sets and not even think about it. Just get it done. Just get it done. And BC and Syracuse would be just fine as well on the road there on that road trip. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, and, it, it and, it'd be amazing if we could come on a roll when we play Louisville at home, having won like six, seven in a, six, seven matches in a row. Maybe, uh, however, we'll see how that pit game goes. But like, be on being on the, we are set up for success there. You know, in a sense, by just having a schedule that lets us be on a roll. And gain a whole lot of confidence before it is just punch after punch after punch of a game, except for when we play Syracuse again.
2: I gotta say, um, the 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 wise folks at the ACC. I don't know if this is Michelle's doing. She seemed to have asked for the hard schedule. And I believe that, that was a direct quote uh, from a previous interview Jack has done with her. Uh, but I will note that <laughs> Pitt and uh, Louisville do not get Miami twice, whereas Tech gets all of the top three preseason uh, ACC teams uh, in their schedule this year. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, if anyone's got the hardest schedule, I-, I haven't done the math for top to bottom, but it- it's got to be hard to be, you know, getting, getting six games against the top three. Uh, I will note uh, a weird Jake uh, historical schedule nerd guy observation. We've traditionally always had one of our home and home pairings be against Clemson. Ah, uh, this is really the first time uh, that I can recall that it hasn't been. Maybe I just forgot last year because we played them at home or something like that. But uh, a little weird not to see them cropping up, uh, cropping up twice in in the schedule. But uh, who knows? It's I a setup up for me. ACC
0: <laughs> expansion. Something like so, setup so, for expansion.
1: Something like that. I'll read one quote from the interview that's also in our preview written preview that Calvee said. She said, "This is the schedule required to do what we need to do." And that was to not take steps backwards. She views this schedule as one pretty that metal. It 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 is. This is a schedule. I mean, that's how she, she sees. RPI is extremely extremely important. Uh, and I guess Viper kind of mirrors that as well. So, uh, yeah. The, she she it, said, it,
2: "Do not give us the easy one." <laughs>
1: no, no, don't. Yeah, I mean, I, don't give us the easy one. Granted, we have like that weekend at FAMU, which will not exactly be uh terribly difficult. Of uh, in all in all honesty. But yeah, I mean, pr- I mean, once a month, at least, if not more often op- and, and more often, like there is a game that can very well be maybe the point that our season hinges on. Did we win this particular game? Is that what changes trajectories? Like there's a lot of those moments. And I think having a lot of opportunity for those moments is that that's great. That gives that's going to give for these freshmen a lot of great chances to grow up quickly uh, and put and be ready for NCAAs.
0: I think that about rounds out our preview in terms of the schedule, gentlemen. Prediction time. Uh, don't you don't have to give me a record. Feel free to give me a postseason finish, Jake. I think you already stated that yours is they host. uh They're a top four seed. Jack,
2: that's my expectation. That's not my prediction, but.
0: Well, look, okay. I lied about those being two different things. That's the magic of I, being the producer on this show. I can do that.
2: Let's just let Jack talk and we can argue semantics later. <laughs>
1: I mean, but I
0: like arguing semantics.
1: Oh, this podcast would not be the same without semantics, wouldn't it? Uh, I I agree with the sentiment that posting should be the expectation. The team has reiterated multiple times. They want to win the ACC. I, I do not predict they will do that. I do think they're going to finish at... <laughs> At best, third again in the ACC, just plain and simple. Um, even with Pittsburgh effectively fully retooling, and but they're Pittsburgh. So, uh, I want to say, we'll get through the first round of the NCAA tournament. I think we can get through the second round of the NCAA tournament, no matter who it is, because I could see us being about in the same spot as we were last year. Um, and then once we get to round of sixteen, we'll see who we get uh if we're in that 5 if we're in that 5 seed range that means we're getting another great great team again that's probably on our schedule anyways so uh my prediction is we're going to get to the round of 16 from there the rest is absolutely gravy for me i don't want to jinx us or anything like that even though i know i don't care about that kind of thing but i think round of 16 is where i see us
0: going okay mr grant I, give me I, your I, actual prediction versus your expectation
2: i i think my prediction is Fourth in the ACC based on schedule alone, uh, Miami, you lucked out. Congrats! Um, and, and I, whoa, yeah, Jazz hands. Uh, I, I think we're going to be a five or six seed uh this year. I, I just think the schedule is extremely, extremely difficult. Uh, I don't think a Sweet Sixteen is necessarily a gimme, but certainly in the realm of possibility. Um, I, I think kind of a philosophy, unless you are a, an odds-on favorite, unless you are. Oh gosh, I'm not going to use that example. Uh, let me think of a different one. Unless you're GT Golf, um, I, I don't think saying "All right, you must win the regional" or "We expect you to win the regional" is something that we're necessarily in a position to do. Uh, or most sports at most schools. Oh, are in we a did that for baseball. If you're, in, if, if you're getting into the round of 32, but but winning the winning the tournament or winning the regional is different than hosting the regional or going to the regional anyways um if you're into the round of 32 Can I
0: you that's
2: past that's uh that's gravy so let's uh sorry i lost my train of thought but all that said fourth in the acc and i think a round of two a round of 32 appearance this is the tournament team for certain that or should be uh yeah, expectations yeah, definitely versus,
0: yeah uh i'm gonna be the Pessimist to both of you, I think. I think I'm going to set the bar at tournament. I'm going to go fifth in the ACC. Um,
1: well, who, okay, okay. Who, who's your team jumping us that's not Miami?
0: Florida State. Okay. Um, maybe like they could be, I think you they'll stick in that three to five range. Just it really depends on where, uh, how Pitt is this year and how they hmm. retool. Um, FSU is always a feisty like number five or number six and Miami is always a feisty four or five. So really you're just sort of shuffling the deck of cards behind Louisville, who is going to be a buzzsaw for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, Pick your poison there. But I I think like Jake said, it should be a tournament team. And I, 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 I think I would need data points, at least like the opening weekend of data points, to say anything more. Like, I, I, I would love to be, uh, love to just sort of fire off a take here, but it it really comes down to how they gel, um, and how they deal with not getting those double teams on Bergman anymore, but at the same time, like how they deal with not having her production available, um. So, um, at the end of the day, you're trying to rebuild your, uh, rebuild star players with, with points instead of runs to borrow a money ballism. So how, how effectively they do that, I think we give them two or three games and then I, I'll feel more comfortable about naming around. I don't know. There.
1: Once y'all see them in person, I, I think y'all have some bit better, have some better clarity on what makes sense in your brains with what's already there. Um. Which I know I'm the only one here that's got that advantage right now, so slightly unfair for me to have that. But uh, hopefully, y'all get to see the game. Actually, I know, I know we're not going to be able to see this Sunday's game. So, uh, but uh, no TV. I
0: oh, no, they're they're, they're in, is it closed doors this weekend? Uh, no, we have a previous Saturday. Arrangement.
1: We have it's on Sunday. We have a previous arrangement with one of our co-hosts. Mm,
0: yes, uh, I do. I do remember that. Yes. Uh, so we will. I mean, we'll I get it. I the didn't look at the it... volleyball
2: schedule before I scheduled something. <laughs> it's okay. Okay.
0: We'll live. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. We it's forgive fine. you. Uh, but I think that about does it for our preview. Uh, like we said, the first home game for this team, for this Georgia Tech volleyball team is the Georgia Tech Classic, the rivalry game, uh, versus those out east, or from out east, uh, that will be September 15th. That is also God, so much stuff the same weekend. It's the same uh, weekend as Tech at Ole Miss in football. uh, Lionel Messi and Atlanta um, on that Saturday. And then also Packers and Falcons on Sunday. Oh, my God. I might be in really...
1: I'll be everywhere that weekend. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah, you can really... Just book a hotel, stay in the stay in town for the whole weekend, and catch up on a lot of sporting I games. hope,
1: I hope that Falcons game is at like four o'clock because I would really like to somehow manage to go to all of those games. I could do I it. I could do it.
0: Think the Falcons are already scheduled for one.
1: Dang it! Uh, and it's San Diego. Oh, so what, what do you
0: mean four o'clock? The the what game the, is
1: the football game could be the the Falcons could be at four o'clock. Which if that's at four o'clock. That means that I can still get from O'Keefe to Mercedes if they finish in O'Keefe in reasonable
0: time. Mm-hmm. Okay. I forgot that they have another game. But yeah, so that's the first home game. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it for a preview. We do have an interview that Jack did with uh, coach Michelle Collier, Collier and uh, Paula Pimentel, who's a junior
1: uh, fifth year Libero, fifth year fifth year fifth year this oh, is her man. final semester transfer yeah she was a transfer she spent two Dude, seasons transfer ex- and
0: eligibility math i have just like juco I have transfer
1: juco this transfer, is the last yeah.
0: year the last year of covid uh covid years by the way i, re- I learned that recently this is yes, the last year this is it uh but anyway before we get to that mr grant talk to us about section 103
2: Yes. Section 103. Uh, it's Georgia Tech's Georgia Techiest apparel brand. Um, Nothing new since we updated you last week, but they've still got a bunch of great options uh, for Georgia Tech stuff that you can get. Uh, my favorite, my first and still my favorite Section 103 shirt is I'm a Ramblin' wreck from Georgia Tech and a hell of an engineer. Uh, it is quite a good uh shirt it's soft it's comfortable uh it it is navy but uh it's got the fight song lyrics on it and i'm pretty sure that's the only place uh that you can get it quite like that uh big and bold uh and really laid out for everyone to see um definitely recommend their stuff as always free shipping on orders over 70 bucks every day uh and feel free to check them throughout the year and in the meantime vote on the poll to help decide what gets printed next uh but uh yeah jack over to you for the interview. As
1: uh, we try to do with all of our sport previews, get someone from the team or around the team. And of course, the, I guess the most frequent guest now we have from everywhere in the tech sphere that works at tech in some fashion, uh, volleyball head coach Michelle Collier is here. Uh, I think this is round five. So hey, by the, 12, by the time we get to round 12, we'll see who's still standing by the end or if we need to go to the, the table for that. But uh, thanks for coming on.
3: Yeah, no, always a pleasure. So thanks for having me.
1: Of course, last we talked, I think I remember I ended it saying I hope you see some good movies. So, did you see Barbenheimer? Did you did you do both in the same day, or either of them, or none of them?
3: Oh, I have not seen them.
1: Oh no! <laughs> All right, you got you got some very happy times, uh, very tense times with Oppenheimer, but Barbie's you're gonna y'all gonna love it. Um, yeah,
3: the team watched it actually, so they. they... Oh, nice, nice. I think day went out to watch it, so that was fun. <laughs> That's cool. That's <laughs>
1: awesome. Um, y'all were just in Florida for preseason camp. I assume that, that that seemed to go pretty well, based on what at least was fed on the social medias, But was that how was that time for y'all to like just get some early team bonding before the season?
3: Yeah, no, it's awesome. I mean, we decided to do our team retreat before we reported camp, so we went to Florida for a couple weeks earlier. We worked with um uh, our sports psychologist psychology department here and we just kind of created a lot of team building personal development um just trying to pretty much lay the foundation on some of the things we we'll, we foresee you know working through during the season and and working together as a team and it was just a really great opportunity beautiful uh place to be out there awesome weather uh so it was nice to just kind of get going um uh, out there and we're excited to have everybody here and and to get rolling so it's been Good couple practices already, and and I we got a great group, great people. uh. So we should be able to continue what we have uh, laid the foundation for. So it's exciting.
1: You, you kind of snuck into one of my later questions, so I'm going to ask it now then. is Does it feel like with the number of departures you've had and then a, a large number of arrivals as well, does it feel like the culture is just a continuation of where you all left off from last season, or is there some new elements that you all are figuring out your way through?
3: Yeah, no, there is always new elements. I think that that's uh, one of my favorite parts about the job. And it's it's never the same. Uh, it's pretty dynamic. Uh, but I think our our core values are the same. You know, the things that we're doing, how we believe we can achieve our our results and and our goals, individual and as a team, um, are things that stay consistent. So maybe the way to get there might we might have to adapt a little bit depending mm-hmm. on the group and the personalities and strength and weaknesses that we have, but I think that, you know, there are solid things that, are, that continue to be there. Um, so it's always fun. It's always fun to kind of manage. I know that we're, you know, we're going through a, to a big rebuild this year. I mean, we had players that have played and started for us for a very long time with um, losing Julia, Aaron and Breland. Uh, those are three big pieces of, of, you know, what we have been doing in the last four years. And so they left it at a great spot. I think that we have great people behind them uh, to keep this moving forward. And, and obviously our goal is to continue to get better. Uh, so the challenge is bigger, uh, but the opportunity is also more exciting. You know, So yeah. we, we have a great group of, of players that are here uh, that have learned about what it takes to compete at this level. So I'm excited to see what we can put together out there.
1: I'm excited to see them too with the, the practice games coming up as well. Um, you mentioned Julia, She's been all over the world this summer doing Nations League. Got the got a contract with a Turkish team. How has that been? Just watching her immediately, just completely take off after graduating. And I mean, she was taking twenty one credit hours in the spring, which is (laughs) from as a tech grad, ridiculous to do. Like, there's no two ways about it. Uh, How has it been for you, just seeing her absolutely take off in the world?
3: Yeah, no, it's been awesome. Uh, You know, we knew that that was her goal, and and we were. Happy and, and privileged to be a part of it, be a part of her journey, um, you know, and, and an important part of it. I think Georgia Tech was a place where she grew a lot as a person and as a player uh, and it has definitely was able to uplift her to, to new heights and the next level. Um, and that's all we hope for, uh, you know, when players come in and, and they have high aspirations, whether it's with the sport or with their careers in life after that, but uh, but to see that come through, it, it's pretty awesome. We actually got a chance this summer to go to Arlington where the VNL was that she right. was playing and, and our whole staff went out there, um, one to watch great volleyball and to be around great volleyball minds and, and learn and develop, but also on top of that, kind of the cherry on top was to be able to see Julia, uh, kind of catch up with her, spend some time with her, see her compete at that level. Uh, so it was a pretty special moment for us as a staff and it was pretty cool that we had the opportunity to do it. Yeah. Um uh, and then she's going to do great things. I mean, obviously, uh, she's got a long journey ahead of her, but you know, we're, we're, we're happy that we were a part of it and we'll definitely, um uh, that she's had big fan, fans on that. So we're going to be supporting and, and we'll be here for whatever she needs, but it's exciting to see how well she's doing.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and from her team last year and Aaron Breeland, all that is. From just the entirety of last year, is there a takeaway from that whole season that you're finding really relevant right now as you prepare or what you might implement going into the season?
3: Yeah, no, I just think it's it's a reassurance that success is hard. You know, it's it's when you establish yourself as one of the, the best teams in the country, uh, the grind is tough. You yeah. know, people come in and they're you're no longer the other dog and there are expectations and there are certain things that you just have to normalize because of what you achieved. Um, And I think that we, you know, we normalize winning, we normalize playing at a high level here at Georgia Tech. Um, And with that, it comes, you know, a lot of of pressure and and expectations. And we have to, again, normalize those things. It's part of it, and that's what we work for. And so I thought that last year uh, was something that we had to, you know, kind of backing out from an elite 80 year to last year. Like this was kind of the things that I thought, we had to learn how to manage as the coaching staff as a group and and to you know put us in a better place for for this year and and mm-hmm. and the expectations for this year as well and just kind of normalizing hey yeah like we're a good program we're here we're not going to keep surprising people all the time like now yeah. people are going to expect that we we put a good product on the floor um and that's our responsibility is to be able to go out there and and work through what we need to work through to make sure that we're competing and playing good volleyball when. we need
1: to. Yeah. About competing. uh, You mentioned last year, like getting high level opponents was a big deal for RPI boost and stuff like that. Seems like you did the job again this year between uh, the (laughs) ACC. Naturally is going to give you some, but then you throw San Diego in there as well. Um, Can you tell me some about what the strategy was behind building this year's schedule um, and what your goal, Oh, and Ohio state too. Yeah. Back to back against Ohio state. That sounds, (laughs) that sounds exceedingly difficult, but also fun at the same time. So I mean, what was, what was your thought process behind building it this year?
3: Yeah, it's, it's again, I, I don't I don't think we can take steps back, you know, even though I think we'll be a, a lot younger um, than last year and we're, we're going to be working through some things. It's still this is the schedule required to do what we need to do, you know, and to be yeah. where we want to be. So um, I think that that was kind of just moving forward was I, I felt like we've you know, you kind of like when you play video games and you're like, you up a level when you're yep, up a level. Yep, like, our program is up a level. And that's the the schedule that we're going to have to face if we want to be at, in the NCAA competing for ACC championships, having a chance to host, you know, first and second rounds, continue yep. to go deep in the tournament. So it is what it takes. Um, and, and our players have to learn that from, from day one, right? And so I think that... We can't really sugarcoat it for them, and we got to we got to put ourselves out there and, and compete and see what happens. I think the the huge challenge uh, with this group, the schedule, uh, because we are will be young and we have a lot of you know new players, um, and also players that are going to have to increase their role and, and have more responsibility. And we need to see how they're they're going to respond to that. But but that is what it is, right? If We yeah. want to do what we're going to do. Uh, I think that we're, we've been preparing ourselves and we definitely trust our players and, and know that they can play and compete at that level. Uh, and And we're going for it. So we're, you know, we're not backing down from, yeah. from the challenges and, and hopefully it will, it will pay off at the end of the year. But uh, I think that this is what it takes to be at the level that we want to be at. And it's a great opportunity, some great programs. It's exciting to bring a San Diego here to Atlanta for, yeah. you know, fans to have an opportunity to see that level of of volleyball uh, from outside the conference and to be able to go to Ohio State they have an awesome home court advantage and a facility and a great volleyball atmosphere so for our players to be able to compete there uh, to get a chance to play UGA and McCamish Mm -hmm. and really do some great things over there like those are all awesome opportunities for us to continue to grow the game grow our program and, and and challenge our players and and do the things that we need to do to be the team that we believe we can be.
1: With the new faces y'all have, I mean, I know it's really early on, but have you gotten at least some sense of where you might, wh- how they're going to fit with this year's team, or do you still need the next couple weeks to really get a good, good sense of where, like, Larissa and uh, Smiley are going to end up playing?
3: Yeah, no, I think we, uh, we kind of have an initial idea, uh, but obviously with the day-to-day and just kind of being in the gym, more often seeing how, everybody responds to to situations and start to kind of build, you know, what we think it's best and how we think it flows best or or where our strengths and weaknesses are. Um, I think we're very deep in our roster. I think that we have more um, depth than we ever had in in all the positions. Um, And so I think that that will be a different scenario for us to deal with uh, as coaches, and it's exciting. Uh, you know, to be able to to just have a gym full of players that we feel can win as matches, uh, you know, and so it'd be really cool, um, to go through this season like that. I feel like this season because we will be a mix of young and also new to our system, um, and then some veterans uh, who have been in our system. Uh, will be interesting to see how all that kind of plays together, you know, and then yeah. what we, how we see it all coming together but we we have great players they've been doing a great job they did awesome this summer with our strength coach and their open gyms and you know they've they really we could see it from day one um you know we were able to kind of hit the ground running and do a lot of things in practices that this first practices that maybe in the past we weren't able to do it because their bodies weren't ready or they had you know and and now they did a good job really preparing um to put us in a position that's a little more ahead of where we had been in, in years previous so it's been cool i mean i'm excited yeah. but yeah now i i have no idea what we're going to do <laughs> that, but um, that's a good place to be yeah no
1: for sure no, i think you gotta have the gotta have at least the floor to, to start with and then go from there um tell yeah. me about uh vinnie bygone who you all added to the staff and what he's going to be now,
3: doing vinnie's it's been great he's uh came in as our recruiting coordinator uh, so he's, he's really helping us just get organized in some things, uh, focus on our future classes, 25 and 26. And so 25 and beyond, uh, just really doing that rapport, um, uh, identify talent here in the States and internationally. And, you know, how do we keep kind of targeting, uh, the best players in the world, uh, to be a part of, of Georgia Tech volleyball. So he's, he's awesome. Um, uh, a guy that has tons of experience. Uh, he's really been able, they had a, a great program at UT, um, Rio Grande, and, you know, he's, he was an important part of that. A lot of responsibilities, not only on the court, but, but a lot of stuff off the court too, that he helps us. Uh, he's super organized, um, and, and, just a, a guy that's, you know, he's ready to do whatever, um, yeah. any, 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 job. And he's been a pretty great addition to, to our staff and to our team. Um, great personality just brings in a, a good positive vibe to them um and you know we're, we'll keep we'll be better with them
1: awesome that's good good to hear um uh, with uh, you mentioned starting the season in McCamus which sounds just awesome for a friday night game uh, mm-hmm. would y'all would y'all maybe try to flex a second game in there if the schedule works out or is it dead set there's only going to be one in there this year
3: right now i think it's dead set it's only going to be one um uh, we were debating a lot this summer, but it it only it, with all everything else that we got going on at McCamish and only feel like, uh, I think for us, like when we play there, we want to have good preparation to play there because we mm-hmm. don't play that, that state, um, yeah. for a long time. And so we don't want that to end up not being a, a home court advantage for right. us right? with the, the spatial awareness and, and all that. We know mm-hmm. our fans are going to show up and support us. So I feel like the energy uh, we 'll be there, but it's uh, so if if there are other things going on that we can't really get the time that we feel it's essential for us to prepare, um, then we you know we, we decided to stay at OP for those moments. and so gotcha. um, yeah, so we're excited, we're excited. We're even very grateful that we get a chance to play one match there. I thought last yeah. year was awesome. Um, and I think this year will be great too. Um, and, and we're looking forward to hopefully breaking the attendance record that we set last year uh, at McCamish.
1: I, I don't think y'all have a problem doing that, but it, uh, I think it'll be easy enough. Um, before I finish, before we get to the end here, I want y'all have definitely risen tech volleyball to a, a much bigger prestige level than it was when you initially got here. And even since I was in school a few years ago, have you noticed the tech name gaining more prestige when you're around coaches in the, in, in the country and just in other general volleyball circles that see what y'all are doing and are like, oh wait, yeah. If you, if, you end, if text even attached to someone's name, that's a good thing now? Like a really good thing?
3: Yeah, for sure. I think that we we definitely uh, have validated our brand, you know, and the things that we're doing. I think that our results uh, speak for the things that we're doing every day in the gym. And obviously every country, every coach in the country wants to win and do better. And so if there are programs that are winning um, and growing and, and it's succeeding, you know, people become curious about and try to understand, okay, what is, what are they doing there that, that it's working, you know, yeah. and I think that, um, definitely we're, we're definitely one of the programs that, that people talk about and, and they want to learn from. Um, but, you know, our job is we can't worry too much about that stuff. Yeah. I think yeah. that we're excited and we're definitely grateful. I think that even within our conference, everybody has been very respectful of, of our job and, and what we're doing. And so as professionals, we, we definitely uh, value that, uh, you know, that the community sees that, that we're, we're doing a good job for the sport and, and growing the game and, and doing it in a positive way, you yeah. know, for our crews. I think that that's one of the, the biggest things we're most proud of is, is that it's not just what we're doing, but how we're doing it. Um, and so it's been great. I mean, I think that we, we love the game. We want to keep growing the game and, and to be in the conversations of being one of the premier programs in the country uh it's always important to us because we want to do volleyball at a high level and we want to do it you know in a great way and so a lot of places we go love watching your team love watching them compete yes i saw it and you know we can go to a recruiting event and the players are going to know uh who we are and 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 what school we we go for and, Mm and you know why we're there um and so it's been great. It's really helped us uh with recruiting and just kind of with our, our footprint around the country and and even around the world. Like we went to the VNL, and people from Japan were, oh, you Julia's coach, you know, and oh, oh, you, this is what Julia played for. And so like people volleyball fans around the world know about Georgia Tech volleyball, which has been pretty cool nice. um, to see and and a, and a great evolution for for just our brand, but. Uh, we got a lot of a lot of work ahead of us. You know, it's it's gonna be a challenging season. Um uh, yeah. I'm just uh we got the right people on board and, and we we're, we're gonna keep grinding it out and, and see what happens.
1: That's awesome. Uh let's talk about the games before we finish. What do you want to see about from these first couple of preseason games? Um and then I mean, I'm not gonna ask him for an actual prediction, but where do you wanna be come the final game against Louisville before hopefully some postseason play?
3: Yeah, no, I mean, I think our goals, uh, it, as always, is to just kind of, you know, be the best that we can, I think, compete. Uh, I think that for the first preseason matches, uh, you know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool tournament, pretty cool setup, how they're doing it, why they're doing it. Uh, there's a lot of things that are going behind the the Tampa Bay uh, tournament, which which is exciting. Uh, I obviously want to win, so we want us to compete. Yes. But uh, but I think that, again, it's just kind of, you know, we got two, maybe 15 days here before we play our first match. And so it's maximizing our opportunities in the gym and being the best team that we can that Friday night. And But knowing that there is still a lot that we're going to have to work on and keep getting better and mm-hmm. then be better the next day and hopefully by conference, you know, be at a good stage where we're, we can be consistent with the level that we're at and, you know, by the end of December, uh, we're, we're in contention for the ACC championship for being back in the tournament and hopefully for hosting. Um, it would be, you know, our kind of primary goals there. But obviously, we understand uh, that the season will be a challenging one for us. So we'll, we'll see how we respond and, and, you know, the results that we get. But, but I'm just excited about the opportunity to get out there and compete.
1: That's awesome. I can't wait to be out there. I'll be there on Sunday. The next Sunday, I'll figure it out. I hope, Hopefully, I'll be there. But either way, I'm super excited to watch you all to be in the pressure cooker of O'Keefe again and absolutely sweat because of how hot it gets in there. But that's part of the experience. I'm looking forward to the Georgia match as well. So, uh, Michelle, thanks so much for coming on again.
3: Yeah, no, thanks for having me.
1: So, I mean, last season, I neglected to have any players on the podcast, which I feel like is a crime for myself, uh, considering I was at literally every game I could get, I could get to last season. So, this year, darn it, we're going to get a player on here, and we got one, Paulo Pimentel. Thank you so much for coming on our preview pod before the season started.
4: Thank you so much for reaching out, of course.
1: Awesome. Uh, so y'all were just in Florida. I was talking to Michelle earlier. How was how was the Florida trip? How was summer? What what how, what do you do to get your mind off volleyball when when you're not in school?
4: Yeah, it was really nice. which just really hot in Florida. Yes, like we expected, <laughs> but we spent a great time together team bounding that was essential for beginning of the season we definitely are ready for preseason now
1: nice when uh so this is year three at tech Uh, we were talking earlier obviously you haven't been at tech your whole career but final season at this point um what has come to mind when you hear oh this is the last ride or do you even think about that do you shove that away or do do you embrace it at this point
4: well I do embrace it but there's obviously comes to mind um it's really hard to believe this is like gonna come to an end but like it just makes me think uh, I'm going to make this one the best one. Um, I just feel like all out. There's nothing else we can do. Nothing to lose, literally. My yeah. last six months in college, like playing my last season. So I'm really excited for that.
1: Has that altered at all, like, how, like, you've mentally prepared for a season? Like, I, I assume you've done this enough times to where you have a flow of how you get from zero zero to 60 or whatever. Has that is that different? Has this these last couple months been different than the summers of 2022 and 2021 in that case?
4: Um, honestly, I feel like I've been like having a lot of more time for volleyball um, now, especially because I only have two classes left. Oh,
1: that's nice. So, that's nice. Yeah.
4: So this semester is really going to be volleyball focused, of course, like balancing school and everything. But it's not going right. to be the same as the past semesters with six classes, five classes. Right. So, yeah, I definitely feel like I'm feeling better this year.
1: Nice. And you're in Scheller too. This is the right. Okay. What do you, okay. I, th- I graduated from there too. So what, who do you have, who, who do you have left? Cause I'm curious what your professors are now. Well,
4: honestly, I had all already had like all my classes and I okay. left the two resist ones to the oh, end because I okay. knew they were going to be offered this okay, semester because nice. last semester we always get scared about like not being having the, your class offered. Right. So I have a pretty, um, it's actually, OB organizational behavior
1: yep okay Mm -hmm.
4: it's like a freshman class I believe yeah Yeah. it's pretty easy and math I think 1712 did I take 1712 is that
1: one thing I I probably did I don't remember it was that was that was six years ago I took that class but (laughs) that's 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 a a smart way to do it yeah no I mean OB is definitely one of the easier shower classes honestly I think I took that during COVID so that was like a weird version of that too where i like only watching recorded videos and have no idea who I'm taking the class with either. That was that was a weird situation. I right, know. Oh. I had
4: it all planned. I was like, last season I'm gonna have to choose this class at the end. I already finished all my major requirements, like all that. So,
1: that's really cool. That's yeah, that's smart. That's a good that's a good way to do it. Um are you the kind of player that when the season when the schedule comes out where you're circling a couple of games where you're like, okay, that one I'm like really particularly excited for. And if so, are there any that you're that you once you saw the schedule roll out, you were pointing fingers at him?
4: Um, well, obviously every game is exciting. Um, beginning of the season, like every single match is going to be like all out for us, but yeah. um, definitely the McKemish games are, yeah. yeah. there's that feeling that last year we couldn't get the best result out of it, but we all, well, we had like a great, great amount of people there, great yeah. atmosphere. We had a great time. So we're really excited for that game again.
1: Been, that one I'm really excited to see. I, I my, my, Internal math, which is completely based on nothing, is there should be five thousand people there at least. Like, if there's not, I don't think. I I think that should be the goal here. We're right. at 30, If I'm 30, not
4: wrong, I think it was three thousand last year. Thirty-four hundred, 30, yeah, thirty-four hundred, yes, yeah,
1: and it was allowed thirty-four hundred too. So add any more of that. That's that's gonna be really cool. Um, I did ask Michelle about this that game earlier, and now I'm thinking about this because she mentioned that. Y'all are only gonna play that one game there, but there was there's an adjustment that there might need to be made when y'all are preparing to like get used to the sight lines in McCamish versus playing in O'Keefe and just how much bigger the room is. Do you feel any difference? Did you feel any difference last year when playing in McCamish against Pitt versus all the other games in O'Keefe?
4: Yeah, well, definitely the depth Mm perception is a lot different. Um, McCamish way bigger than O'Keefe. O'Keefe, we also feel like the crowd right next to you. Right there, you're right there yeah yeah my camera's a little far away so we feel like we're living in a stadium even yeah. though it's not like one of the biggest um mm-hmm. gyms we have but um yeah there's definitely the floor difference to like not having the having wood is really different for different right yeah. me, the barrel to slide on the ground like all mm-hmm. that but well those are things that we can adapt and obviously we'll get ready for the, those games practicing there a little couple times before
1: yeah okay that, that makes sense yeah I, I kind of wonder if they y'all are gonna like put a surface on top of the basketball court last year that I get there I was like oh nope and then I forgot most teams play on basketball courts anyways so like that was ter- very very standard anyways yeah, um, Well,
4: I guess if it was like well if we play like more games like more often at mm-hmm. McCamish like maybe in the future uh um, yeah. they can adjust to that but um, I don't think now they're gonna do that especially because I feel like we're only playing two games
1: yeah 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 yeah, you just do that. It's that's easy enough. Um, yeah, I, I O'Keefe, I man, I love it in there so much because it just does. It feel like a pressure cooker in there to you? Because for me, I kind of like if it's three sets, I love it because we're in and out. But then, if this gets to a fourth or fifth set, like the air conditioning's been off off long enough that like everyone starts sweat like everyone starts sweating a lot. And then I wasn't there for the Louisville game where y'all had to like rub down the court for twenty minutes. But like, what do those games feel like when it like it gets past that ninety minute mark and you're really in the trenches at that point?
4: It's really exhausting, but it also we can feel like the crowd. Everyone is like also sweating. Like we we feel the vibe (laughs) still. That's something that just pushes forward to actually finish those games, like working hard, like yeah. not letting our guard down, like no matter what the score is.
1: And you're the one that's flying literally all over the floor too. So, I mean, I can only imagine how the elbows and knees feel at the end of those games. Um, right. But, <laughs> uh, let me go backtrack a little bit. Since we haven't talked to you on the podcast before about when you're at Miami, Date before coming to Atlanta, um, what was the shift for you coming from Miami to Atlanta? And what was what prompted you coming to Tech in the first place?
4: Well, um, obviously, there's a big difference between junior college and Division One school. Yeah. Um, that was my goal since my first day in the U.S. Um, to transfer to a good D1 school. And having when I got my Georgia Tech offer, that was so unexpected because I actually reached out before they didn't have the scholarship. They didn't oh wow. Have, yeah, they had a full roster. It ended up like working out because um another liberal quit, quit like had her own problems with the school. So they ended up having the scholarship for me, perfect timing and haven't signed with anyone yet. Yeah. So that was like within, I think, three months, like before um, I actually come. So
1: Wow. That's a view barely barely had a turnaround time to get up here and make it work. That's insane. Yeah.
4: It was really, it was really exciting. I got here during the media day. Like the girls never saw me before. I just walked Man. in media <laughs> day. So like, that was a little like nervous for me, especially yes. being like, being new, like just coming into a new team. Like right. I was, i watched those girls on TV. So like for me, it was a, like it's dream coming true, but yeah. it, will, all, it was gonna also going to be hard adapting to like a new school, new program, new staff, like all that.
1: Yeah. Well, since you haven't missed a set since you showed up here though, which is, I, I don't, I, I didn't do the math, but you're at 215 in a row by, by back of the napkin math, which I assume is most of the p- people that are here right now. Cause y'all went through a, a lot of turnover. Um, But I know there were others that were playing that had kind of done the same similar thing of barely missing any sets. And I know Michelle keeps a pretty tight rotation when you were playing with others that were older than you who had been playing basically every point for years on end. Was there something you learned from them about how to maintain yourself throughout one of those longer matches and just throughout a season if you're going to play all the time and be diving all the time and being a server and just doing the defensive stuff that comes with your position?
4: Yeah, well, definitely a couple of players shout out to me when I first came here. Uh, They were, like I said, way more experienced than I was, was my first, was my first um season, but not my first like obviously volleyball season because right. I was a freshman before, but it was way different for me. And a couple of people like helped me, they throughout the whole season, they were telling me like, we've been through, like, it's going to be hard just pushed through yeah so yeah i'll never forget those moments they were crucial to that adaptation
1: i think it's certainly been helpful because you've been very very good these last couple of seasons uh was Thank there a you. favorite game or was there a favorite game or point from last season for you that that still sticks out
4: from last season yeah well um i think even though we lost um like a couple games, like those games that we lost, through rallies. Like there mm-hmm. were like just so many rallies that were the ball didn't drop the floor. We we're just fighting through. Um, so there was just so many of them.
1: That there was, I think, what was one I remember? I think I, I think I got T J to send me the video of when you, uh, the one against Syracuse where you, I think you were like near the bench, like way in the corner. Oh, yeah, just there's this. one. There's
4: arm. a picture. Yes, someone got that on a picture. Um. Yeah, I, th- I, don't know. I don't remember exactly, but I think someone shanked to the bleachers and I just kept running through. It. And yeah. the only thing I remember is Scott and Jill on the bench, our, our director mm-hmm. of preparations, and Scott, our strength coach, just stopping me. I'm like, got them hands out of the way and just <laughs> kept going. And I almost like jumped into them to save that ball. And I just, when I turned and I just saw the crowd like screaming, I was like, it sucked. Like as long as the ball <laughs> is up, that's all that matters. So, yeah, that was definitely Can one you, of. Uh, at that point, point. Are, you,
1: are you just throwing your arm out there or like, do you have you like nailed down where you need to put your arm in that moment? I haven't played volleyball, so like I don't know anything in this front.
4: Honestly, when you're just running to reach the ball and the ball's that far away, you just dive and hope the ball touches you yes. and bring that ball back to the court. <laughs> so, yeah, I had my teammates running behind me, like always like following the ball. So we had the ball over. We actually kept the ball in play. Yeah, so that was really nice
1: that that was that, that when I saw that there, I was like, I, I couldn't believe what I'd seen when I was sitting there watching <laughs> that. It was amazing. Uh, I want to ask about the game at, at Florida State as well. When Julia had her 38 kill game, you all did the reverse mm-hmm. sweep and stuff like that. Watching that on TV, I was floored again, as you all usually do. But when Julia was getting up there and just get, getting kill after kill and you all were clearly shifting the momentum back do those particular games where you are a w- literally witnessing history and helping history happen. And at the same time, I mean, I put y'all had lost to Miami two days before. So like, y'all, I I felt like y'all needed it at the same time. Do those kind of games feel different to you in the moment? Like, is there a different kind of momentum inside you when you're getting yeah. through those games?
4: Definitely. When I mentioned one of the rallies was during that game because we're losing 2-0. They, they were up, they're about to win the game. And we just got together. We are like, let's fight. Like, Walmart said, they're not finishing this game now. We're going to go all out. Especially because after the Miami loss was really hard for us to yep. digest and like we had a game like two days after like you said so yeah. we didn't have that much time we just kept practicing like working hard and learning from our past and yeah like that game we're just like sad Julia like she was on fire we we're all like defense like we we're all over the place and mm. we just wanted to keep the ball in play and tried to score as much as we could and i think she was one point away of making history
1: yeah yeah she, she, needed, yeah. One, she, she needed one more to have the single game record for tech and yes i don't know i assume you saw her interview afterwards she's like i just wanted one more ball and i was yeah. like i love that i love that spirit of just like no she yeah. wasn't well, sa- y'all won and she still wasn't <laughs> satisfied at the end
4: yeah no we were after we found out that it was one point away because all this when you're playing you don't count yeah, like we right. have no idea like how many digs mm-hmm. i got like how yeah. many more um points she needs you know like we don't know that stuff but definitely when the game and they were all laughing we were all like what happened we're like 1.0 were like no way (laughs) like literally one ball that
1: was yeah that game was amazing um and speaking of like lessons and stuff you're saying like what do you was there a particular is there something you're pulling from that i guess what is it what am i trying to say yeah was there a particular lesson from last year that you're pulling into this year or even two years ago just in general that it may be new to you that you're like okay let me let me plug and play and see if this works this season
4: yeah well definitely every season's different we have different players and everything but we just keep our well program standards like everything the same every time trying to hit to reach like higher goals and i feel like after the 2021 season we're all expecting to do great like more than that like at yeah. age when we're, we're reaching like we don't we don't want anything less than that because that was a, such a great feeling. Yeah. And I think um, from last year, all we can do is learn from every single game, especially the last ones that we had to go all out. We we were missing something. Um, the other teams were better on the course, so they deserved the win and everything. So I just think we have to learn. Um, obviously, like keep our heads up, new season, yeah. new opportunities, and just excited about it
1: are there any parts of your game specifically that you're gonna that you're wanting to see grow a little bit more than you have in the past
4: well yeah especially losing julia as a service receiver on our team mm-hmm. um normally it's me bianca and julia in the back row that's gonna be a big change for us we're gonna yeah. need someone to step in like join us and i'm gonna try to keep like get more core like get more space like mm-hmm. lead the team especially in the back row because Everyone else has to do the front row, like all that. And yeah. my position specifically is more like taking control of the back row, like all the defense and passing. Mm-hmm. So I'm really going to focus on that and help the person that is going to step in, no matter who's going to be it's a freshman, a senior, grad. Yeah. like We don't know. Whoever's going to step in, they're going to be ready for that. But um, I'm going to try my best to help.
1: Probably also mentioned earlier that uh, she feels like this is one of the better teams in terms of the depth that you have and people that you can Pro- hopefully i can't wait to see on sunday what at the practice game what what that's going to look like but does it feel like to you also like y'all got some real talent that yeah from between um, the freshmen and everything like that
4: yeah we had a big classman fr- um, class called a couple transfers that mm. i don't think anyone is expecting so that's something new something new for us for them mm. so we're really excited about this season we say it's a special group it feels different okay. and we can't wait to make history again
1: that'll be let's hope uh, fingers crossed fingers crossed um, <laughs> What uh give give me what your pre pre-game routine is. Where what what, how, what do you start with? What what are you what are your steps to get game ready?
4: Um, well, we start very early, even though we have like morning practice, like all that. But I just try to be focused on I had my playlist, I just keep that on replay.
1: What's Those on it? Gym- What's give me give me some artists? What's on it? What's on some it?
4: reggaeton, like Bad Bunny.
1: Nice, nice you know, like
4: Brazilian <laughs> Anita, like Pedro <laughs> Sampaio, some music that's gonna, gonna just hide me up. Yeah. for the game like nothing's gonna slow me down um i try to stay away from my taxes phone calls like all that yeah um just having my headphones on um when we are in the locker room we we're locked in everyone's talking about what's going on on the other side of the, the core. what's gonna happen now we we're just getting ready for that um and yeah
1: <laughs> that's good what a give me one give me one big big goal i assume i mean i know y'all want to win the championship so let's, let's let's that one aside is there a big goal for you at the by the end of the season where you're gonna be where you know if I do this, I'll consider this a successful season.
4: Um well I just want to give my all every single game and leave the court. Obviously like no matter what's the, the result, like obviously we're trying to win all of the games. Mm-hmm. Um but we know like some some stuff happened. It's uncontrollable, you know? Yeah. We just have to learn from that. And I'm just honestly trying to leave the court with like my heads clean. My mind clean, saying mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I did my best. That was all I could do. I gave my all on the court." And obviously, there's some goals that we want to reach, the ACC championship. Yeah. Um, that's one thing we've been we've been on there on the top, but it it still feels like we're so close. Yeah. So yeah, that's definitely one thing for this year that we're gonna work on.
1: Probably, yeah, it it will be tough. I've you just get it's between what four games between Pitt and Louisville. Thankfully, you got two games against Syracuse. Not to demean them, but I mean, y'all could y- y'all got their number. I think good enough for a lot of other teams. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, before we wrap up, I always play tech favorites with people that I have not interviewed before. So uh, give me first your favorite building, and it cannot be O'Keefe. It cannot be O'Keefe.
3: Okay. Your favorite awesome.
1: building on campus.
4: Oh, that's hard. I think I would say Scheller. I obviously spend a lot of time there. Um, that's where I go when I need to just study, like get some. You know, like homework done. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a Starbucks right down there, so yep. that's where yep. I normally stay. Um, Shelly's a little far from the other buildings on campus, so I would say that's definitely where I spend most of my time. Besides O'Keefe, of course.
1: Yeah. The uh, I was always the Chaluli in there. The the big glass sculptures; those are easy, those are my favorite parts of campus. Easily, was seeing that <laughs> all the time. Uh, favorite food spot, whether on or off campus. Food spot, yeah.
4: Ooh, obviously Brazilian food, Marietta. <laughs> But um I would say on campus student center, they renovated. There's a couple new places there. We can get yeah. smoothies, we can get um some just different different options than we normally have. Uh, but also obviously the athletic department where we get all our food.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh what was uh ooh, what was the last one? Oh yeah, favorite favorite professor. I'm gonna I hopefully I'll know who this is because we both have the same ooh. major.
4: Okay, that's hard. I don't know, honestly. I've had a couple good ones. Um. Okay, that's that's really hard to decide.
1: I do not find, can't find. No, it's it's good. Uh, who was one? Oh shoot, I had a couple good ones too. They're they're they're, they're, uh, yeah. they're on on it. Oh, Bill Todd, I liked him a lot. I don't know if you had him. Um,
3: who?
1: Bill Todd. Uh, he's. I think he does some strategy class. I actually had a class with uh Breland with him with him actually. Um, I don't think the that so okay well anyways uh, maybe I'll just cut that out entirely uh, <laughs> um, that's all I got thanks a ton for hanging out for a little bit I'll be there on Sunday I'll be there as many games as I can get to y'all are of the best on campus so uh, good luck please win thank every you. game just for my emotional happiness too um, <laughs>
4: <laughs> thank you yeah. so much thank you so much for all the words for supporting and of course go jackets
0: welcome back to signs of the Southland thank you mr purdy for conducting that interview and thank you to head coach michelle collier and fifth year libero defensive specialist (laughs) Paola pimentel for speaking with us mr grant it's time for trivia and in the document you have said volleyball is the only hint that we receive
2: yes so today we're going to be talking about some historic volleyball stats i've I've limited our window, since there are a lot of them, to just teams we're playing this year. And Jack, you might know this. Actually, I I don't know if you do. Uh, There there is one team uh, from this list of opponents this year that we have not yet yet played before. Obviously, it's Um. not an ACC team. uh, But do you know who is the team that Tech has not yet played uh, in volleyball?
1: It is... Oh boy, it's... Oh, is it? No, it's not. It's not them. It's not them. I I think it's either San Diego or Stetson, but I'm leaning San Diego. We've played FAMU. Interesting. Dude. We've we played, have FAMU. played
2: Famu. Oh wait, no, FAMU. is it Howard?
1: Oh, it might be Howard. Oh man, like as you can see, I'm just crawling for the bit of this. Okay, final answer is San Diego.
2: All right. All time we are 12 and 0 against Florida A&M. Uh so it's not FAMU. Uh against San Diego, we are 0 and 1 all time. Ah, oh, it was um,
1: one match. Oh, dang we it. We
2: have played them. It's Damn actually it. Howard.
1: It was Howard. Uh, okay.
2: Tech, mm-hmm, tech has never played in uh volleyball before. We have played them 12 times total. Uh, we are 11 and one with that one loss coming uh from the men's ten- tennis team in 1981 in the 1981 82 uh season so quite uh quite some time ago that was a 7 to 2 loss uh interestingly we have only played Howard once before in a women's sport hmm. that is women's basketball in the 1988 1989 season it was a close game 87 to 82 so that is that is the first part, uh, and I've got one, one more for you, um, unless we decide to just go vamping on forever about this. Uh, like I said, we have played these teams uh, a grand total of a lot of times, given uh, you know the ACC teams and UGA. All-time, we are 560 against them, so relatively successful. Uh, But there is one coach in mind that I have here uh, who is the greatest all-time win percentage against this collection of teams. Yes, that is an indictment of their performance against the ACC. But can you guess uh, which of Tech's all-time coaches has the best win percentage against this year's slate
1: Doesn't help that Mm -hmm. I don't really know any of the other coaches we've ever had. So
2: we mentioned this person during our podcast prep. Oh, it's Shemansky. Oh, yeah. I already forgot his name. It is Shemansky. Uh, Bond Shemansky is not Tex all-time winningest coach, that is Shelton Collier, uh, who is 112 and 60 all-time against this selection. Bond Chemansky is 109 and 38 for a 741 clip. Of note, uh, if we rack up at least four wins uh, against this specific slate of opponents, uh, Michelle Collier will pass not only uh, Bond but also wait, it is, it is Shelton Collier. What am I saying? Um, Wow. Good job, me. Uh, Wait, no win percentage. It's still bond. There we go. I knew I wasn't crazy. Um, But uh, if we win at least four of these games, uh, Michelle will become the all-time winningest coach against this selection of teams. And then against uh, the ACC, I'm waiting for it to load, but I believe that would make her uh, tech's winningest ACC record coach as well. But give me just a minute to let all that, filter out of the system gents any questions any comments what are you what are you looking forward to uh for this coming year that we haven't really gotten into in terms of the you know just the the volleyballness of it or like the the atmosphere what what are you looking forward to
0: the humidity of a full o'keefe gym and also having to clean the floor down again
2: can't wait to
1: do that I've actually never done it. I kind of want to do that this year. Maybe that's my bucket list item is to get asked to go clean the floor. I'd love to do that one I time. I did
0: not. I also did not mop the floor last year. Uh, I will freely admit that. But it was very funny. The fact that they had to call people in or call fans or ask fans, excuse me, to um, wipe down the floor or help them wipe down the floor after it got so humid in there it was very funny. Um, but now that they've replaced the HVAC in there it should be mostly fine
1: of note and the My, at at, at oh. that same board of regents meeting we started the podcast with uh, there were improvements to O'Keeffe listed as uh, proposed things to happen in terms of building maintenance so uh, and HVAC has been a constant that's been a constant factor there so like yeah there improvements are on the way so to say, uh, in, the, uh, in the in the in the seven figures in terms of dollars spent so they're going to they're going to put some money into this building
2: man, they had a seven figure renovation lined up a while back, but a uh, shame that that never came through. That said, uh, my hunch was correct. Uh, if Michelle Collier wins at least eight ACC games this year, she will be alone atop the winningest, uh, ACC, uh, for uh, winningest uh, of ACC, um, games among tech coaches. Wow. It is getting late. I am struggling through my words there, but, uh, yeah, 7 wins and she stands alone above Collier and Shamansky.
0: Well, Mr. Grant, thank you for your contributions and your leadership through trivia, but unfortunately, <laughs> I am going to have to make you say more words as you take us out for the night.
2: Yes, um in terms of places you can find from the rumble seat uh you can find us at fromtherumbleseat.com. You can email us at fromtherumbleseat@gmail.com. At uh we do appreciate any uh, feedback, suggestions, ideas, um, interview requests, all that good stuff, uh, email us, comment uh, on the website at fromtherumbleseat.com as well. You can find fromtherumbleseat the Seat, uh, at FTRS blog on Twitter. You can find me at JakeGrant98 and Jack at nicholas. You can find Section 103 there as well at section103 and section103.com. You can find at From the Rumble Seat at Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And you can find this podcast wherever fine podcasts are distributed. With that said, uh, it's been a long episode. Thanks for listening. Good night, good luck, and go Jackets.